Welcome back, friends. You are listening to Mile 17 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast presented by Run In, and it is our New York City Marathon Preview episode. I'd like to welcome in my pal and partner, Benjamin Sessions. Benji? Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. How are you? I am tickled to be back. It is good to have you back, and we're excited. New York City this weekend, what a field in that women's race. Mommy, mommy. Mommy, mommy. Let's start first, though, in other marathon news. A lot has happened since we last talked to you about current events in the world of track and road racing. We got so lost in great recipes for fueling your success last week with Marnie Sumbal. We got to catch you up on the other events first. Something that happened off of the road, post-Chicago, American star Galen Rupp undergoes Achilles surgery for an injury, out for about three months of no running, and then we'll see how long it takes him to get back from there. So Benji, what is next for Galen? His fourth child, which is on the way. I read that as well. Yeah. He spend, uh, excuse me, he spun that well as an opportunity to spend time with the family. It's if this surgery were going to happen at any time, I guess this is a decent moment. He can be home with his wife and kids, and he would be in some recovery from Chicago anyway. Yeah, I saw this crazy stat that he hasn't missed a world final um, since 2007. Oh, um, yeah. So he definitely needs some time to step back and kind of be a person rather than just an athlete and be with his family. I think it's well-deserved. Yeah, and I think the balance could be good for him. We mentioned after Chicago that maybe it was a moment to reassess a little bit and see what was coming next for him. When do we see him again? What do you say? Could we just see him in a half and then the trials? You know, that's kind of where I was headed here because I don't know that we see him in anything of much consequence before the Olympic marathon trials in Atlanta in like 16 months or whatever that is. Calling it now. Please call it. He will make his return to racing (laughs) Mm -hmm. at the fall's best marathon, Mm. the Spinks Marathon in downtown (laughs) Greenville, South Carolina. (laughs) Oh, the event went well this past weekend. Great weather, had a good time pacing. Uh, hats off to Greenville Track Club and everybody who came out and ran and accomplished their goals. We had a lot of fun. I don't know that I see Rupp there next year. I do think we'll see him at some point before the trials in some kind of race, but I don't know if he'll run a marathon before then. That world championship statistic is interesting because you have to think he's out for that next year. We'll see what this recovery, what he can do once he bounces back. I guess we're saying somewhere in January or February he's allowed to run again. Boston has to be out. Yes. I think for him, based on what we've seen from his past few years, that's a meaningful race and one that he really wants to win. So I guess that means it would wait until 2021 probably before he'd get another shot because I can't think he's going at it in an Olympic year. There's no no way. So it would have to be after that. Could we see him on the track? Yeah, that's at an, the world championship. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, because is he back running a 10k again? We'll see. I think the bigger picture question of what's next is: Can he come back as good as what we've seen so far? 
I would bet so. I think so too. I think that this does allow him some time to get a great balance and to come back hungry and ready to go again. Assuming from what we read, the surgery went well. It's interesting to point out that he said after Chicago, he couldn't even walk the next day. And that late race fade when he tried to fight through it very well might be explained by this injury. Though he never credited the injury to it. He just said it wasn't his day, which it just may be him being in a stand-up guy and not wanting to blame something like that. Yeah, if you wanted to spin it, I think, look at it this way. He just ran two consecutive sub-207 marathons, the second one when clearly not healthy. If he wasn't such a lightning rod for criticism as being part of the Nike Oregon project, for an American man in the past few decades, two consecutive 207s would have everybody pretty fired up. Absolutely. I hope we get to see him again at this level and competing for another Olympic medal in 2020. One guy who might be coming onto this stage with Galen, a former short-term teammate at the Nike Oregon Project, is your man, Cam Levins. Cam Cam the man. Cam the high mileage man. That guy puts in some serious training. Toronto Marathon last weekend, Cam Levins went for a Canadian record. He became the first Canadian male to break the two-hour and ten-minute marathon barrier. That was a record that had stood since the 70s. So Jerome Drayton's long-standing Canadian marathon record falls to Cam in Toronto under less-than-ideal conditions on a very cold, very windy morning. But the man who graduated from Southern Utah University can handle that. he can. A Canadian native from British Columbia and Southern Utah. He's run adverse conditions before. He also beat the Kiwi New Zealand's record holder, Jake Robertson, which was, I thought, an accomplishment. Levins didn't win the event. He was a couple minutes off the leaders, but a great effort from Cam Levins, who has had a bit of a roller coaster past few years and is known for these 150, 160-mile weeks. Tip of the cap, maybe he's found the event for him. This was his marathon debut under 210. And it's worth noting, he's the first Hoka-sponsored athlete to break 210. Oh, in the so, Hoka 1-1 shoes. I think he was in the um, that carbon rocket model, a test model they're going to be coming out with next year. Well, he beat Jim Walmsley to the punt. <laughs> yes, so Jim, you got to step it up. He sure did. Uh, in other marathoning news, in Amsterdam, always a fairly fast course in Amsterdam. Last weekend, one of the greats of all time, Kenanisa Bekele back on the road. Bekele, who's had some recent difficulties with a number of dropouts from major marathons, did not get into one of the fall world marathon majors, instead went to Amsterdam, and in the closing miles clearly was not on target for a victory and dropped out with not much more than a mile to go and just walked right off the course. Back to his hotel. Yes, right back to his hotel. And if you get a chance to see, the race is actually on YouTube. You can get English language coverage there. And there's some looks on the faces in the crowd like, oh, what's this guy doing? I guess he's walking right at us and quitting, not even realizing they're looking face to face with one of the greatest runners of all time. I guess the question for Bekele then is, Benjamin, is he finished? Oh, that's such a hard question. I'm a very. I didn't say I was going to make it easy. I'm a very critical person. I'd say the great one is the great one no more. I agree. I think we've seen a wonderful career. I don't know that we're ever going to get 
the high-level performances we became so accustomed to on the track in the 2000s, on the road, even up to just a couple years ago in London. He was still at a relatively high level. It just wasn't meant to be for Bekele for now, I would say, what, the third time in a row on the road in a marathon? We haven't seen him at his peak. He's, he's aging a little bit. He might be stepping aside for the next great one because it seems like Kipchoge, Eliud Kipchoge, might be taking over that crown. We also have a next great one in the half marathon. Yes, we do. Zersene Tedese's record is no longer. We have a new world record in the half marathon from Valencia this past weekend. 58 minutes and 18 seconds. Abraham Kiptum is your new world record holder in the half marathon. 427 per mile pace. That's scooting. Yeah, I've ran a lot of all-out 427s in my life. <laughs> yeah, string together 13.1 of them. Another great race if you can watch the coverage. He looks really good the whole way through and broke away. A relatively unknown runner, I think, to most people who are not really, really deeply in tune with the road racing scene this one was a a bit of a surprise a strong field of east african runners there so we knew the opportunity for a great time was possible they did have the new world record banner ready to hold up in case it happened so they at least thought it was possible meet organizers but i don't know if this is the name i necessarily would have thoughts immediately i didn't know his name there, there's this. there's already discussion of his next marathon and what times can he target uh, and i think it's funny that he was only in the race because chicago turned him down that's correct he did not go to chicago and instead decided to focus on the half marathon and i'm not i'm not sure on the story if they turned him down or if he chose to redirect his attention because i've read both but mm-hmm. Regardless, Chicago was on the map initially for him. It didn't happen. He comes back a couple weeks later, and I would say, Abraham, I think you made a good decision. Definitely. Yeah, it worked out all right for you as the new world record holder in the half marathon. But as we know, that does not necessarily translate to meaning he's the next great marathoner. We have seen world record holders at this event before struggle at the farther distance. Let's get off of the road and get on the grass. This past weekend was NCAA Conference Championship Weekend in cross country, and we're gonna take you through a few of the bigger meets and hit some highlights. Let's start in the Atlantic Coast Conference, Benny. I'll let you take it, but first I would say my highlight is the Notre Dame men getting the team victory and breaking the Syracuse streak. Yeah, first time Syracuse hasn't won a conference title while being a part of the ACC. It has been a Syracuse stranglehold since they joined the ACC, but it is no longer. Uh, What else did you take away from the ACC meet? The individual champion didn't surprise me a whole lot. Uh, it was Peter Sufer of Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. He is a two-time champion in the 10,000 on the track in the ACC. Uh, what caught me off guard was the second place finisher in the race. A Wake Forest freshman, Zach Fasciani. Ooh. I don't know if I'm saying that right, Zach. Yeah. I apologize. But he's an Aussie transplant Yeah, running for uh, Coach John Hayes over at Wake Forest. Put up some good performances this fall at Nuttycomb and uh, 
I don't know. I don't think anyone saw him going as high as second yeah, at so ACC. Wake Some, Forest coming on the stage here. Yeah, someone to watch in the next few years and going into championship season. On the women's side, it was the immaculate NC State women mm. holding off Notre Dame by one Heck of a race. Point. Yes, heck of a race. Both teams have some real low sticks that they can use. One point, God, it's, it's every time you're in a race and you think your position is inconsequential and you're back in 40th or 50th and you're the fourth or fifth runner on your team, how many times have we seen it? It's just hunting down one more runner at the end. And in this case, it was the difference in winning a conference championship for the North Carolina State Wolfpack. What I love about their win is the top runner on the day was Ellie Hennis, whose <laughs> mom, Lori, is the women's head coach. Oh, keeping it in the family. Very yeah. good. Who was their number two? It was Dominique Claremont. There you go. Your Ohio girl. Pride of Lexington, Ohio. Congratulations to the Wolfpack. Let's go to the opposite coast. Pac-12 meet. I guess the surprise for me is not that the Oregon women won again, but how dominant they were in doing so. Especially over Colorado. That's the point right there. Over the Colorado Buffaloes, who are among the favorites for an NCAA championship. Danny Jones, their individual favorite, but Oregon really looking good and then on the men's side stanford gets the win led by grant fisher what do you take away from the pac-12 benji uh grant fisher is gonna want the national meet to be slow Mm. Uh, he has waited all of his two races he's ran this season till the last straightaways to make a move he doesn't touch the front before that he's a patient silent kicker Mm -hmm. if anyone wants a chance at him they're gonna have to make a move farther out Let's expound on that just a little bit. If a move is made earlier, do you think he can respond and go with it? Ooh, it depends how early, honestly. Because I don't think that necessarily he's limited by only being able to win a slow race. I do think there's some guys, though, who you're right, could take advantage of him a little bit earlier in the race. If the NAU duo do what they did last year, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that Grant can go with that. And really attacked, yeah. Right. Absolutely. In Middle America, Big 12 meet in Ames, Iowa. Iowa State, team and individual sweep in the men's and women's races. Congratulations to the Cyclones, taking the individual championships and the team championships on their home turf. What a showing. Yeah, I thought it was kind of crazy how they actually had only five finishers in the men's race and they that was sent the out first thing that came, the first thing that came up we were watching live stream results coming in right because we didn't have uh, a tv broadcast on this and i think you said it right away they only finished five and so then we read the story later on that i believe one of their runners kind of set through about two or three k just to pace where they were doing and then dropped off. It's an interesting tactic. It requires a lot of confidence in your five to make it through to the finish. Yes. But I, I have no problem with the strategy behind it. If that helps get them to a championship, then I I like it. I, I say we were critical of people not running kids during the season, putting B teams in during the season. And coaches are doing that to get to a goal of winning a championship. That was Iowa State's goal this weekend, and it worked out for them. And everybody on that team 
now, whether they went through that finish line or not, gets to celebrate a Big 12 championship. For sure. Good for Iowa State. In the Mountain States, Mountain West Conference, the New Mexico women edge Boise State 33-35. to Really close matchup there. Boise wins the men's event, and there were, I think, four or five ranked teams in that competition that they won. My first reaction to the Mountain West meet is New Mexico won their conference championship, but is their number five going to be good enough going forward? We've we've talked about it before this season, that gap they have from four to five. In a small meet like this, they were good enough to win, but when you insert a lot of other good runners, it's going to start pushing their number up. Absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and call it. Call it. New Mexico's going to have three girls in the top 25 and not make the podium at nationals. Ooh, not even make the podium. Not make the podium. I love when you get bold. Number five is just way too weak, and she's going to get buried. Not only will they have three in the top 25, I would probably agree with that statement. They might have two in the top five, right? Yeah, it's crazy to think about, but the Oregons, Colorados, Boise State, Mm -hmm. um, who am I leaving off? Uh, those would be the first three to come to mind to me. Now, you also might see, like, Arkansas could give something out of the SEC. But I think there's, as soon as I say this, it's going to be totally wrong. But I think there's kind of a delineation between the top four and everybody else. Mm-hmm. But I do think Oregon, Colorado, and Boise can all take advantage of that weakness. But, hey, here's the thing. New Mexico did enough to win, and we'll find out in a few weeks where their five really stands. You get a great race on one day, and they're national champions. Yeah. Let's turn to the main event, New York City Marathon. This Sunday, November 4th, that is a 9 a.m. start on ESPN2. You can also check out ESPN coverage online. Local ABC in New York has coverage, and they will also have an internet presence where you can watch some of this. The race typically on ESPN stays on the online coverage for days after the meet so you can watch on the replay and the focus has to be this women's field this is I believe the most exciting women's marathon field of the year it was one year ago through the five boroughs when Shalane Flanagan won it for the United States Dropping the F-bomb heard around the world. (laughs) Yes, she did, and we loved every minute of it. Shalane uncensored, cruising to the finish line in Central Park, starting maybe a bit of a domino effect that led to Des Linden's win in the spring in Boston, and reasserting the ability of Americans to win the biggest races in the world. So you have the defending champ in Shalane Flanagan, Back to defend her title. You have the three-time champion, Mary Katani, one of the greatest of all time. Personal best, two hours and 17 minutes. She has the women's only marathon world record. Uh, When Paula Radcliffe ran the best women's time ever, she had men's pacers. You have this year's London champion in a 218.31 Vivian Chariot of Ethiopia. We just mentioned Boston champion Des Linden. She will be in New York this year with a new coach after a long time in the Brooks Hansen's project. You have Molly Huddle, 27-time U.S. champion on the track and road. That's not bad. 
She is also the U.S. record holder at the half marathon. Last year's biggest surprise, the pride of Buffalo, New York, Allie Kiefer, who ran in fifth place last year. She's coming off a win at the Staten Island half a few weeks back. We'll add to that this past season's world half marathon champion in a women's only half marathon world record, Netsanet Kabede will be there as well. I could probably keep going. I'm sure I've missed someone who we should mention. Those are the first names that came to mind for me. That's plenty of reason to watch. What an incredible field. We're going to try to make some predictions here, break down what we see happening in this race. Before we pick, Ben, any opening thoughts on the women's race in NYC? I think the conditions could decide this all. I think we've learned that from Boston. Mm -hmm. But as far as we've seen, it's just going to be chilly and hilly. (laughs) That's well said. Just did my most recent weather update, and I think it looks almost perfect this weekend in New York. Uh, Maybe upper 40s to kick this thing off couple thoughts to build on that because of the weather, because I think you're right. I suspect the pace gets out faster than last year. I think Shalane benefited last year from no one making that huge decisive move, and the pack stayed together at a very tolerable pace for her. I think somebody or some people are going to push that more this time around. Katani and Chariot definitely want it to go out faster. I would agree with that. Those are the first two names to come to mind for me as well. And I think if that happens, we're going to see Deslin and go right with it. Ooh. She's a baller, man. She is a competitor. There's no doubt. Okay. Let's do podium picks here and maybe a time. I don't know. Whatever just feels right. I'm going to give the floor to you first to simply say... Who is the winner at the 2018 New York City Marathon? Mary Katani will be your New York champion. That would make her a four-time champ. She would be only the second four-time champ in New York City history. Joining, now you're not old enough for the trivia question of the day, Norwegian star. Oh, Steve Prefontaine. (laughs) Norwegian star Greta Weitz, who won the New York City Marathon seemingly every year of my childhood. You got Katani at the top. You want to go ahead and fill out your podium, or you want me to make a pick here? Or Let's how go ahead like and hear your one. Okay. I'm going Vivian Chariot. Ooh. She takes London and New York in the same year. I watched London again yesterday, breaking down film once again. And I know the heat had an impact in that race and people got out fast and there was this world record assault in both the men's and women's races and a bunch of people faded off of it and I know that that benefited Vivian as Mary Katani faded but I think she's got a toughness that matches her ability I think she's close to as talented as Mary Katani and I just wonder mentally where Mary Katani is at this point in her career, simply because the last couple haven't been quite as good. She is incredible. Maybe we've seen the best of her. I'll go with the Ethiopian Vivian Chariot as my winner. Do you want to put a time out there for the people? Are you interested in asserting a time? Mary Katani is your pick in... 221.04. Oh, okay. I'll say 
It's a little faster than that. Woohoo! Not a ton. Two twenty and some change. Give us some exact. I'll change. give you the change. Shuffle it around. I'll feel say it. a dime and three pennies. Two twenty, thirteen is the winning time. Round out the podium for me. Who else is up there? Who's two and three in this race? I had your girl Viv getting second. Okay, Viv is in second. I'm calling these two to make a late breakaway. Yep. Like 30K, 35K abouts. You think that Katani and, and Chariot will make a break then? Yes. And See, I think, I think they're going to move early. I think they're going to move earlier than that. I think lesson is learned from last year, and somebody makes a push at some point. There's been a discussion of Katani, some, some health issues that she had last year on race day that maybe limited her ability to make that hard charge. I'm sure she feels comfortable in a late race push like you're talking about, but I think her style might be for a little earlier push. See, I think Katani isn't confident enough to move earlier. Okay, because of and what's I happened the past Vivian few times? is too confident to move oh, earlier. Oh, gosh, okay. I love the psychoanalysis of East African runners that we've never met. Yes, of course. So I'm saying this, and there will be people to go with them. Mm-hmm. But I think patience mm-hmm. and speed—that's a deadly combination and virtue. Snag the last spot on the podium. Okay, Miss Molly Huddle. Okay, Molly Huddle. You think she, based on your description there, you're saying she doesn't make the move with them. She doesn't. Holds off and then catches some of the uh, the, just, the strays as they begin to fall off the pack. She's going to be a little, have a little bit of like mid-race flashbacks to her horrendous Boston performance oh. and not necessarily know that she can go with the mood, move and then be at a point where she's like, oh my gosh, wait, I actually feel good and then take off. Okay. And go catch everyone but the front two. To continue our theme of getting into the minds (laughs) of racers that we know nothing about, my assumption to some degree with Molly Huddle this weekend is she's probably blocked out a lot of what happened at Boston and considers it a bit of a one-off and maybe irrelevant to the rest of her career. I'm sure she learned lessons there. But when you are, uh, let me just repeat this number for you, Benjamin, 27-time U.S. champion. I don't know how much your confidence wavers. I think she understands that she's relatively new to the event, and that might be why she's a little more patient, like you're saying. I don't know that it's a product of Boston. U.S. champion means nothing to a 217 and a 218 marathon. I'm glad you finished that sentence because I thought you were just going to leave it at U.S. champ means nothing. You're right, that does not in any way intimidate Mary Katani or Vivian Chariot. Right, that's... But I'm referring to that in how Molly Huddle approaches this race. Molly Huddle can only control her own race. And if she gets worried about what Mary Katani thinks of her, then she's not going to be on the podium anyway. Which is exactly why she's not going with the move. I don't know that we got anywhere there. We kind of ran around that in circles. I think that Molly Huddle very well could be right there for third i I, I think we agree to disagree on the psychological warfare of (laughs) molly huddle at 30k into 
That's true. Sunday's marathon. Molly, if you could call us, we'll get you a seconds flat singlet and simply tell us solely how you feel at the 30K mark. <laughs> we don't want any more in the interview. All we want to know is what goes through your mind at the 30K mark this weekend at New York, and we'll find out whether Ben or I was more accurate. I strongly considered her for the third spot as well. I'm going a different direction, but I do want to add on what you said there about her patience being a virtue. That's what worked so well for Allie Kiefer last year when people couldn't hang on the pace and started to fall off and she moved up on them. I think she'll have a similar approach this year, but do so while being even more fit than she was last year. Incredible race in New York. She got hurt early in this season, but seems to be back 100%. And based on interviews, feels like she can run faster than she did last year. So she could also benefit from that patience and a move. I I don't know. I think Molly Huddle would be a little bit more aggressive than Allie Kiefer, though. Do you agree or disagree or have thoughts? I do tend to have thoughts. Okay. Any about this? Um, I personally don't know Allie Kiefer enough as a runner to really answer that question. That's the first time that rather than just making something up, we've decided to, in, in fact, give the honest answer. Well, I gave my honest opinions. Otherwise, I don't know Allie Kiefer enough. Fair. Let me restate this. Given this was more of a Molly Huddle question, I think, okay. for you, given Molly Huddle's level of ability, I suspect Molly Huddle might be a little bit more aggressive than Allie Kiefer because I think her target and her goal might be a little bit higher than Allie Kiefer's. Allie wants to run a faster time than last year and again push for a podium spot and finish in the top five. But I also think Molly Huddle believes she's going to New York with the intention of winning and putting herself in the best possible place to win in the end. And that might require a little bit more aggressive play in the middle or second half of the race. I agree. And okay. with her particular skill set, it would be easier for her to be aggressive. Good. Cleared that up for everyone. With that said, I'm going to give you my pick for third. I think both of those women will be in the mix. Wait, who'd you pick for second? Well, let's start there. <laughs> I was just going to skip ahead to third because it was so exciting. Uh, for second, I guess I thought I'd said this already. I'm going with Mary Katani for second. Safe. I kind of agree with you that those two women will make a bit of a move that will be hard to match, but I think there's somebody who has the potential to match it this year, who from the looks of the training has been really strong. I'm taking Shalane Flanagan for third. Like what she's done in some faster workouts, showing a little different element, stuff we haven't seen from her in a number of years, and so I think she'll be back on the podium. I think she's just not quite enough to hang on at the end. I would not be shocked, though, if we saw scenarios in which an American won this race again, or two, we had multiple Americans on the podium. And again, it's going to be a product of how the race plays out, but I think we could see either of those circumstances on Sunday in New York. We both had one American in our podium. Who would be your next American, Ben? So I had Molly Huddle on Mm -hmm. my podium. Next American, I'm going with Shalane. Okay, so I think we're just flip-flopping then because I'm going to say Shalane on the podium and Molly Huddle's my next American. Do you dare to venture your next next American? Ooh, I'm going to say we've never heard of. 
who the third American? It's an off the board like Sarah Sellers at Boston exactly type of pick. My one, two, three for American women will be Shalane Flanagan one, Molly Huddle two, and I'm going to take Des Linden three. I think that New York as a course plays well for her. She likes. I think a tougher course as opposed to a pancake flat time trial course to get the best out of her. She's been really positive about the training under her new new coaching staff. Had an interesting comment in an article I read from her today about her la- one of her last big workouts that she did pre-New York City where she went out and did something like five miles at her marathon goal pace, gave herself a short break, about four minutes put in one hard mile that she said was one of the fastest miles she's ever run. Her third fastest Was that the number that they said? Okay. She ran 4.49. Okay. And then came back and went to another cycle at marathon pace with the ability to press the gas a little bit at the end of it and felt really confident about it. We've had a million workout discussions on this program. Sometimes you have great workouts and it means you're ready to go and the pump is primed. And sometimes you have great workouts and it means you left your race in the workout and sometimes at mile 12 you have to poop it's sometimes nature just calls so we'll find out sunday i'm gonna make desland in my number three american so question for Please you regarding shalane flanagan yes let's talk shalane obviously she wants to defend her title i would hope so is there other any other scenario where shalane can walk away sunday having not won and be satisfied with her performance in your I, mind because she is such a gamer, and she's all in and a very intense person. I think that as soon as she made the decision after New York last year to not retire and to come back and do Boston and now New York again, and I'm sure there's financial reasons why she would go back and do New York, and we know her ties to Massachusetts and wanting to win there, but I think as soon as she made that decision, she knew... She would not enter both of those races as the favorite. She would be among them. But it would have to take a perfect storm for Shalane to win both of those majors this year following what she did in New York last year. Her age, with her perspective and experience, and the elite level at which she still competes, she understands that. And I think that she could look at goals like, what kind of time do I run compared to previous attempts here in New York? What if I get on the podium? What does that say about my consistency? What has my training done for New York as compared to pre-Boston? How have I grown? And then to me, the ultimate thing she can say is if she comes out of this feeling good, running a good time, and getting a decent place, thinking about then, am I taking another shot at Boston next year? Am I taking a shot at the Olympics in a couple years? What do I have left in my career? So... Shalane Flanagan enters this weekend with the approach that any great athlete has to take before a big race. There are no expectations. There are only opportunities. There is a tremendous chance for her to seize an opportunity and attack another victory at New York. But you can't tell me most of the world expects her to go back to back in New York. It's all icing on the cake right now. I think most of the informed world doesn't expect that. But to the everyday, just American, 
they're going to be asking, like, why didn't she? Yeah, because she won before. I right. get that. But I think even the average American viewer of the race understands how long it had been since an American won before her. She can find success in a number of different ways this weekend. And I'd say the same thing for Des Linden. She doesn't have to win this weekend to follow up Boston and somehow justify what happened in Boston under those conditions. It's all about the next race, the next opportunity and building towards the best you can be at that point in your career on that day. And that is, that's success, that's excellence, right? That the best that you can put out in that moment on that course. Cool, good response. Thank you. <laughs> Let's flip to the men. There's a men's race? There is a men's race. I, I know we're all, this. We're all super fired up about the women's race, but the men are racing as well. Defending champion and world half marathon champion and seconds flat favorite Jeffrey Cam War will be there once again. I love watching that guy race. I love watching you try to say his last name. Cam War. In addition, 43-year-old American Bernard Lagat makes his marathon debut. He is your American record holder at 1,500 meters, 3,000 meters, and 5,000 meters, so he's pretty good. 43 years old, where does he fall in the American Masters record chase? He's got Meb Kaflesgi in his sights. 2017 London champ Daniel Wanjiru is there as well. Friend of the show, 2016 Olympian Jared Ward, after some struggles with injury. We'll see what we get there. Uh, Another American to watch out for is 2017 U.S. champion Tim Ritchie, who had a breakthrough at CIM last fall in California. Definitely not the depth of field. Um, Abdi Abdi Rahman's there as well. I didn't mention him. A fourth-time Olympian. That's correct. And there's some other elite international runners as well. Not quite the field that we have on the women's side. Want to make a pick here? Benji. Oh, Kim Warner. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to argue for anybody else. The how many time cross country world yeah. champion on a hilly course as defending champion? He's so good. I love And him. I don't know what his plans are and what his goal is for the future. But in my dream scenario, we all get back together in like 11 months in Berlin. Ooh. And Kipchoge, Mo Farah, Jeffrey Camor, all in great weather conditions, get on the course in Berlin on a relatively flat course where we've seen world record times. I just think he's one of the few guys who is in that mix right now. And I know he doesn't quite have the experience at this distance, but he's been really darn good at some shorter distances and clearly showed his ability last year. Wilson Kipsang made a late chase last year, but yeah... Jeffrey's my guy. I will say him in what time? Ben? Ooh, I'm going to say 208.34. I think it'll be faster. You tend to lean towards that. I know. I have a lot of faith in these guys. And it's a tough course. I get that. But we got good weather. I'm hoping we got the right guys to push this. But I'm going to get bold. Ooh. I'm going to say watch out. Sir Mo, he's right on your heels. He's going in like Sandre Moen territory here. Uh, 205.50? 205.57. Will this be a course record at New York? Ah, we got to look that up. I think you just call it a course record. Can I take this back? No. Can I take that time back? Absolutely not. 
It is documented. You have cited your sources. The annotated bibliography has been printed. The course is hard. It's not really set up for super fast times. And now I start thinking about what can he run with a field that's not quite as Since good he... as the women's field. We forgot all about this guy. Which guy? Jeffrey Mutai. What did he 2011 run 2011 went 205.05. Oh, okay. Right. Same minute. Sorry, Jeffrey. He was... Uh, Jeffrey was on a... 2011, he was on top of his game. He had a great Boston run. Boston two years later? That, that was... Or was that Emmanuel Mutai? No, no, no. That was, that was Jeffrey Mutai. Yeah. And that was the fall after Boston. Because 2011 was the fastest time when he ran Boston because it's not record eligible. He ran 203.02, I think. And that was point to point an incredible time, which at the time was the fastest in world history. Then he follows that up that fall in New York City with 205.05. So I've really put a bold prediction out there. That might have been a bit too much for me, but I'm going to say Cam Moore somewhere around the 206 neighborhood is your men's champ. First American? I'm going with someone you didn't even mention. Please do. The Bowerman Track Club's Christopher Derrick. You are such a Chris Derrick sycophant. I love CD, man. Yeah, I do too. I like him a lot. I just don't know that he's in this neighborhood right now. I mean, what he's do you ran think? 213. He has, but this is right now in New York. I, it's not necessarily... I, I don't see Jeffrey Mutai coming out of the woodworks to run another 205.05. I'm just saying that the time he ran might not be where he is today. Oh, no. I think he's faster. Oh, I think yes. we'll see a PR from Chris Derrick. Chris Derrick PR... 211.50. God. This is nothing otherworldly, just a good solid performance by a 1305 2730 guy who's finally rekindled that flame and has gotten in some sick training. I wish right now we could splice in your Parker Stinson Chicago prediction. You are so fired up about the next tier of American marathoners. I and, love my boys. And you might be the only, literally only commentator in the sphere of American marathoning who's excited about anyone beyond Galen Rupp. Well, I'm glad they have somebody. (laughs) Somebody supporting them. I am a big Chris Derrick fan as well. I don't think he's going to be number two here. Uh, Oh, we were doing podium pick? No, no. uh, I thought we were just doing top American. Top American. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, top American. Yeah, he won't be number two. He'll be number one for Americans. I misspoke. I don't think he'll be the top American here. If you see, say, the old man. Who, Bernard? The grand old man. No, actually, okay. I, I have two names in mind right now. Abdi Abdi Rahman is one of them. But I'm going to go with Shadrach Biwat off a third-place finish in Boston. Yes. I'm going to pick him as my top American I in, really like in New pick. York. He's, he's in a good place, and I think he is a top 10 finisher in New York this weekend. I'll say Chris Derrick, just to humor you, <laughs> is my fourth American. Wow. I'll, I'll pick him as the fourth American. Well, we'll see who's closest. We will. I'm sure neither of us will do real well with this. Yeah, he might win the race. He might. Chris, if you're listening, you know, just win. We'll send you a singlet. Again, the action happens Sunday morning in New York City. 
9 o'clock start. Get that live coverage on ESPN2. It'll be a lot of fun to watch them going through all five boroughs. Good luck to anyone who's listening who is racing up there this weekend. I know we had folks who did Chicago that we've heard from and a few folks who are headed up to do New York. That will be really the wrap-up on the, the marathon majors for the fall, the big stuff. There's still a few good ones out there. We'll have CIM, uh, Fukuoka, in a few weeks here. We're about four-plus weeks out from those fall marathons to wrap up 2018. This has been Mile 17 of the Seconds Flat Podcast. Please contact us with any questions, thoughts, at secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. If you're thinking about a spring marathon, 5K, 10K, half, and want to get the training started, doing those individual training plans and having a lot of fun working with our listeners, so we'd love to have you join as well. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review using your preferred method of listening to this program. We are so privileged to have you listening to us and look forward to seeing you again soon when we will wrap up what happens in New York. We'll probably get talking about NCAA cross country again because the championships are just around the corner. And hopefully you'll have a turkey trot coming up as well here in a few weeks. So enjoy this beautiful autumn weather wherever you are in the country and we'll see you soon.